Well, I hope you had a great week this week. Praise God. And welcome to our, our adult class this morning. And um, who can remember what we talked about last week? Amen. Remember, we, we talked about, uh, it, it's, I am a church member. This study, praise God. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. I will treasure a church membership as a gift. Amen. I will treasure church membership as a, as a gift. Praise God. You know, it, it, it is not just a um, thing that we hear, the teachings that we, 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 we hear, but it, it's, it's, it's more doing. It should be more closer to our heart. It should be in us. And we, we, should, be, we should be doing what we're hearing rather than just hearing and keeping it for later. We just can't have that sitting on our shelves. In that, in that sense, in that attitude, we can lose track of what God is saying to the church. Praise God. This morning, we will begin our, continue in our study, I Am a Church Member, continuing that. Session and this morning session we will do. I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. In other words, you know, when we get comfortable in what we do. You know, we, we, have a great, we have a great church. We, we get good knowledge of the Word of God. But think about the preferences and desires, what it can do if we are not careful. Remember, it's, it's, it's the servanthood or it's the work of God that we do. It's about God. It's not about us. It's the word of God that comes through us, flow through us, then it must go back to God because it belongs to him rather than us. Praise God. Here's what I will, I will read this morning and listen carefully. I think this particular illustration uh, speaks about Football, school football in, in America. And it reads, imagine a moment that you are sitting in stands of a high school football game, wherever it may be. Here is what you see. The team breaks out for a huddle, but instead of lining up against the opposing squad, they break into groups of two or three, arguing with each other. 
Soon they start sobbing, and two of them actually get into a fight. One of the players storms off the field, and you can hear him say, that bunch of idiots or fools can't agree any, anything. He continues, those two over there are arguing over the color of the uniforms. A couple of others are passing over the right way to kneel in the huddle. Those two, are, those two guys are arguing because one believes in what he calls personal football and the other believes in social football. They can't agree whether the individual or the team is more important. Some of the players say the less talented players should go play on their own field. And some of the guys don't like the music played by the band. A few are fighting over whether the other football team has more players and I'm quitting because I can, I can pass a lot of better than the other guy. And they won't let me be the quarterback. This situation seems absurd, and yet there are times when this is exactly what happens in the local church. People who are on the same team spend more time focused on their preferences and desires than playing the game. Here's a question this morning. Can you describe a time when someone, maybe it's you, was more focused on their own preferences and desires than they were the best interests of the group? You know, growing up in church, since I've been in this church, I've noticed, I've noticed these things actually really, really play. Sometimes, you know, it, it, just, it comes out just maybe casual, just by conversations. Think, oh, what should be right? What should be, you know? It's good to talk about these things. But when it comes to God, it is about God. That we, we should be more focused, that not not misdirecting or leading people astray from the direction of God. Because his word is the direction. Remember, the word is the lamp unto our feet, light unto our path. Therefore, we, we need to follow that direction. But it takes obedience to, to do that. And we know that obedience has to have that humbleness, then we must say that we must have that humility to have that all the time. I know sometimes it's, it's challenging for us. Sometimes we, 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 we will say, but, or most of the time we say, but, why is this, why is this happening? Why is this? Then we carry on. You know, we can say all these things, but there is a time where we need, to, we need to really find, focus what God is really talking to us about. And that means we need to be, we need to be sensitive and to, to connect with God 
being sensitive, we need to be reading his word. That's where it's at. It's not in us where we just what we see and how we feel. No, it's all in, in the word of God. If you can't see that through the word of God, then you will struggle. This is where you, make up, you just make up your own mind. Because it's all just your being, your, your imaginations telling you that you should do this. Praise God. I would be more fearful towards God rather than, you know, having my preferences and desires take hold of me. It's out there. Praise God. Now in this lesson, we will see that the scriptures emphasizes that church members must be willing to yield their preferences and desires in order. Everybody say, in order. In order to serve others, not us. Praise God. Remember, we have to love our God with all our heart. We love God first, but then we need to love others as ourselves. That's the golden principle. If we can have these two principles, then I don't know what we're doing. So in order to serve others, we will encounter Jesus' challenge to his disciples to seek to serve instead of being served. Ultimately, we are called to recognize that church membership is not about our preferences and desires. It is about serving others. Amen? So when we are grateful, just think about this feeling. When we are grateful of what happiness, what things that bring happiness to us, then we can't wait to, to tell somebody. Have you ever felt when you have this present that someone bless you with? And you feel so grateful. Or if somebody... You, must, you might have not seen for a long time and all of a sudden they, they come. And you run into them and, you know, you feel excited. You feel filled. You know, we need, to, we need to really see that and really recognize that when we are filled, then we, we, will, we will tell them how we feel as well. So when the word of God actually fills our heart, then we must feel or desire to give to others as well. Because if we don't, then we are missing the point. If we don't, we are missing the point. Jesus came to seek and find the lost. If you think that you are ready or I'm okay, I'd rather do what I'm, I just come to church, I've been reading, I've been praying, it's okay. I'm sitting in the fuse right now and that's okay. But not really being ready to connect to the body of Christ. We come here together this morning and any other services, we need to be connected rather than disconnected. We can't be sitting at the fence. I always like what pastor says all the time. We can't be sitting at the fence. Fence is there to, 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 to actually, there's, there's a meaning there. 
it's actually barricades or draw a line for different boundaries. Anyway, praise God. You know this, what fences are, me, are, are meant for, praise God. Ultimately, we are called to recognize that church membership is not about our preferences and desires. It's about serving others. And Raina wrote in this sense, the strange thing about church membership is that you actually give up your preferences when you join. So whatever preferences you, you have, when you come to church, be mindful and just be respectful to yourself. I know we, we come in our, our different expectation because we come, maybe come back from our different backgrounds, our, our, our knowledge of God's word. But when we are joining as a member in a church, we need to come humble ourselves before anything. Humble ourselves and try and connect with people so that we can work together so we can tick the box that we can work together for those who fitly join together and serving the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind. You know, you need to really get to that, that le level or else we are starting just halfway. We are not really draining ourselves out from our preferences and our desires. Praise God. So don't get me wrong. There may be, there be maybe much about your church that you like a lot. But you are there to meet the needs of others. You are there to serve others. You are there to give. You are there to sacrifice. Praise God. And sacrifice is part of our faith, fullness with God the service that we offer to God. To call, the call to, to serve others. How can we see that? Serving others in, is probably not something we think, think about often, but it, is, it was at the very heart of Jesus Christ's ministry. In fact, he said that he did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give life, a ransom for many. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, one of the clearest pictures of Jesus' servant heart can be found in John chapter 13 and, you, and verse 1 to 17. And here it, what it reads. And it, it reads, Now, before the feast of, of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of, out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, during the supper, when the devil had already put it into the hearts of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to be betrayed him, Jesus, know, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and, and that he had come from God and was going to go back to God. 
rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What am I doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward. Correction. Peter said unto him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered to him, My feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said unto him, The one who at bath does not need to, to wash, expect for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, that was why he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12, when he said, when he had washed, correction, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, he resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. For so I am, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet and also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know, verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So praise God. Maybe go back this week and read again over and over for your own understanding. Take time to read. Sometimes we get carried away, especially when we hold on to our own preferences and desires. I'm not sure about you, but feet are not my thing. In fact, I think feet are only appropriate when socks and shoes cover them. Oftentimes, we don't really look at our feet. But in the word of God, it actually, it actually directs or it tells us where his word is pointing at. Lamp unto our feet, light unto our paths. So this morning we're hearing something really interesting about knowing the preferences and desires. You know, take some time to think back 
to the dirtiest of your feet and I've ever been at a particular point in time, do you think someone would have been willing to touch your feet? Much less wash them with their bare hands? Don't forget the disciples' feet would have been absolutely disgusting. They would have been sweaty and caked with dirt because most of them at that time were just wearing sandals, walking around in a desert place. So walking for a few weeks and days will have really dirty feet. They mostly like would have smelled too good. But Jesus took each of their feet into his hands and watched them. Washing someone's feet back in the New Testament times would have been the ultimate picture of humility and service. That is why Peter makes such a commotion about what Jesus is doing. He recognizes that his teacher should be doing anything close to this. This was the job of a servant, not respected rabbi or teacher. Here's another question this morning. Why do you think it is so difficult to serve? How does Jesus' example in this passage help you think about the call to serve others? Might be really checking us this morning, huh? How we can go out and find the lost that we pray about, that we sing about, bringing the presence before we actually go out. We prepare ourselves. Or whether we just go home and just relax and that's it. Sunday service is finished. It's done. Wait for the next Sunday. Of this gospel, I was made a servant according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Here's another question. Why do you think Paul was willing to call himself a servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you have that same perspective? I remember in scripture he also said that I want to be the prisoner. I am a prisoner of God. Yes. I mean, we hear about all these prisoners... People get sentenced to correctional centers. They go there to get humble. They go there to be taught. You have to do it my way. Praise God. So the willingness to serve others is not natural in our world. And it was not natural for people in Jesus' day. In fact, focus on position and authority had crept into the minds of several of the disciples. Consider the ironic story in Matthew 20 and verse 20 to 28. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up into him with the sons and kneeling before him. She asked him for something and he said to her, what do you mean? Or what do you want? Correction. What do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left. 
in your kingdom. Jesus answered, do you know what you are asking? You are able to drink the cup that I am, I am to drink. They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared by my, by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant, indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to, to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and the, and the great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whosoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The mother of two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, actually had the audacity to come to Jesus and ask him to show favor towards us two sons. Just imagine if your mom showed up at your place of work and asked you, you, your boss, to show favoritism towards you. This may work in a little league, but it would most definitely not work in your career. Let's be honest. Jesus was very gracious with this well-meaning mom. He does not rebuke her or chastise her. He simply says that she really doesn't com comprehend the scope of what she is asking for. Asking. For Jesus, this is a great opportunity to remind his disciples and they have been called to serve not to, serve, not, not to be served. So example are they are to follow Jesus' example. The king of kings came not to be served, but to serve. Amen. Rainer wrote, we will never find a joy in church membership when we are constantly seeking things our way. But paradoxically, praise God, we will find we will find the greatest joy when we chose to be last. That's what Jesus meant when he said, the last will be first. True joy means giving up our rights and preferences and serving everyone else. And that's the church membership means as well. So here's another question. Why does the world view the idea of serving in such negative light. How can we combat the, the prevalent ideas of being first and being served in the church? Serving others should push on or push us outside the walls of the church. Serving others should push us, us outside the walls of the church. I'm sure all of us have heard the church referred to as only a place where believers can, can gather together and focus on one another. Recently, I heard pastors say that the only problem with this idea is that the world around us, 
was a very different perspective of, of a huddle. When they see a huddle, they see a bunch of back, backsides and, and the view not, not pretty. The church was never called to be a only huddle. The church was never called to be a only huddle or a hotel, hotel for saints. The church was its members were called to be a hospital for sinners. To accomplish the mission, we must be willing to serve someone beside ourselves. Consider the great commission given by Jesus in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. And it reads, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age, of the age. Praise God. Jesus' commission to the church and to the believers is that we are to go and make disciples of all nations. We must realize that making disciples does not place primarily within the walls of the church. It, in fact, the early church did not have a building where they met each week. They usually met in homes or in the temple. And most of their time was spent fulfilling their regular responsibilities. It was in fulfilling, it was the same it was in fulfilling this responsibility work, etc. And they were to make disciples. The same is, to, same is true for us. However, we often think of making disciples only in the context of the gathering of the church. As a result of this research, of a 10 dominant behavior patterns of church that are, in, are inward focused. So worship was one or more functions. Factions in the church want the music just the way they like it. Any deviation to meet the anger and demands for change, the order of the service must remain constant. Certain instru instrumentation is required while others are prohibited. So prolonged Miniature meetings, the, the, the church spends an inordinate amount of time in different meetings. Most of the meetings deal with the most inconsequential items, correction, while the great commission and great commandment, commandment are rarely the topics of our discussion. Facility focus, the church facilities develop iconic status. One of the highest properties in the church is the protection, preservation of rooms, furniture, and other visible parts of the church buildings and grounds. Program-driven, every church has programs, even they don't admit it. When we start doing a ministry a certain way, it takes a pro programmatic, pro programmatic status. So the program is not the programs. The program develops when the program becomes an end instead of a means to a greater ministry. Somebody say amen. amen. 
Amen. Praise God. Inwardly focused budget. So a disproportionate share of the budget is used to meet the needs and comforts of the members instead of reaching beyond the walls of the church. Inordinate demands of the pastoral care. All church members deserve care and concern, especially in times of need, crisis, problems develop. However, when church members have unreasonable expectations for even minor matters, some members expect the pastoral staff to visit them regularly merely because they have membership status. Attitudes of entitlements. This issue could be a catch all for many of the points named here. The overarching attitude is one of the demanding and having a sense of deserving special treatment. Greater concern about change than the gospel, about the change than the gospel, almost any notable, noticeable changes in the church evoke the hire of many, but those same passions are not evident about participating in the work of the gospel to change lives. Anger and hostility. Members are constantly angry. They regularly express hostility toward the church staff and other members. Evangelistic apathy. Very few share their faith on a regular basis. More are concerned about their own needs rather than the greatest eternal needs of the world and community in which they live. And here's the question, another question this morning. Do you think our church struggles with any of these behavior patterns? What are some ways that we can focus our attention outside the walls of the church? Cultivating the mind of Christ. He came to serve. So we have said before, serving others is a difficult and it is not usually our natural response. Paul understood this perfectly, which why he encouraged the believers in Philippi to cultivate the mind of Christ and consider Philippians. Consider Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in spirit, in the spirit, any affection or sympathy, complete my joy by being the same, of the by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accordance of the what, accord, accord, and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition and or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in yours in Jesus Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality of God as a thing to be grasped emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, 
being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the same that is above every other name or every name. Correction. So that at the name of, of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Rainer wrote that, so what did you do? What did Jesus do? He did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. He emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave. He humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even to the death on a cross. Keep in mind that Philippians chapter 2 is not only a description of the obedience of Christ, but it is an example for us to follow. We are to be servants. We are to be obedient. We are to put others first. We are to do whatever it takes to keep the unity in, the, in our church. So if we approach church membership from perspective of entitlement, we have it upside down. So you always ask first what you can do for your church. And here's another question. Describe someone in our church that best fits the description of having the mind of Christ and a servant attitude. So if you rise this morning, praise God. I hope you have, you have taken in something that God has spoken to the church this morning. I hope you've learned something or we probably didn't be mindful of the membership. It's not about our preferences. It's not about our own desires. It's about God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just close our eyes this morning and just pray together with, with the church this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. I will not uh, let my church be about my preferences and desires, Lord. That is self-serving. I am a member in this church uh, to serve others and to serve Christ. My Savior went to the cross for me. I can deal with any inconveniences and matters that just ain't my preference or style. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We serve an awesome God. Hallelujah. Only if we can be humble in the sight of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Only if we can be the vessel that is hungry and thirsty. Hallelujah. To take in more of God this morning rather than ourselves, oh God. Hallelujah. Help us this morning, Lord. Hallelujah. As we look to you, Lord. Help us, oh God, Lord. Help us, oh God, Lord, that you are more meaningful than the rest of everything, Lord Jesus. It's about you this morning, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful teaching this morning, Lord. 
It's not about my preferences and my desires. Hallelujah. It is about serving others, putting others first. Hallelujah. We are so thankful. I was so humble this morning, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. As we move to our next session this morning. Hallelujah. Let's clap on unto the Lord this morning and give him rejoice. Hallelujah. Give him the highest praise this morning. Praise God.